I think I will be at more peace if I just choose to accept reality. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, Season 8, Episode Number 10. Well, welcome back to See Here Love as we begin a new countdown, or should I say a count up, to our top three podcasts of all time. Now, I've had the privilege of interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people in my career, but these three women are in my top 10 of interviews and stories. These three podcasts have been your favorites too, so why don't we just kick off with our number one podcast of all time. She's the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries and the author of numerous New York Times bestselling books. She's a beloved speaker and Bible teacher, and she's a cancer survivor. And she sat down with me to talk about what she learned through the pandemic, her hopes for the new year, how to break the cycle of unhealthy eating habits with lasting spiritual satisfaction, and how to find your beautiful and grow closer to God in the process. So here's our number one podcast interview of all time, How to Want What is Good with the formidable Lisa Turkhurst. I just wanted to say before we begin, just thank you for your vulnerability and, and just sharing with us as women around the world your life and your learning. So I just wanted to say that and appreciate you, your ministry, and just we're cheering you on here in Canada. Thank you. That means a lot. It really does. And, you know, I made a commitment when I started getting into ministry that I never wanted to stand on the stage and um, think that the spotlight would fix any of my insecurities because the reality is the spotlight just exposes whatever we're walking through and whatever we're carrying. And and oftentimes the spotlight can expose our most unhealed places. And so I think for me, the vulnerability and the drive for authenticity is if someone's interacting with me sitting at my kitchen table, I want them to find the same person that they see on stage, that they read in the books. And that's just really important to me. That doesn't mean that I don't keep some things private. You know, there's a big difference between privacy Mm -hmm. and secrecy. Secrecy is for the purpose of hiding something, um, but privacy is for for the purpose of healing. And so it is possible to, to remain private about some things, but also to be authentic and vulnerable. And so, um, yeah, I think some of us think that integrity should be perfection. I think integrity is honorable vulnerability before God. Mm, That's good. Not perfection. No, that's good. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, the last time that I sat and talked with you, I I think it's 12 to 15 years ago when we were on another women's show called Full Circle and you were sharing about your life as well. And I don't know if you knew this, but during that time, I was going through sort of this, this secret of my own breakdown of my marriage and eventually him choosing to leave and then me publicly having to share on national TV that my marriage had ended. And I remember going through that and, and, and yet, you know, I think the, I'm so thankful for safe and wonderful women in community who, who had my back, like did not let me, you know, the arrows and the gossip and the whispers were being flung and they literally 
uh, you know, stood around and protected me. So, you know, and I, and I've seen that too with you, just how strong you've been with the, you know, so many people talking. And so I just, I just wanted to affirm that to you and just, and just thank you. It, you've been such a great and gracious example of how to navigate through some tough things. So, well, thank, thank you. you. And I'm still walking through some really tough things. You know, I think, um, I would love to be able to say that my life now is just tied up in a neat, nice bow, but it's not, you know, things are still hard. Things are, um, complicated. And, you know, I, I think, uh, one of my favorite places to turn to in scripture is Matthew chapter five, when Jesus teaches us the Beatitudes. And I think sometimes when we look at the Beatitudes, we think of those as separate categories of people, like blessed are you if you're poor in spirit, blessed are you if you're mourning, blessed are you if you um, are pure in heart, blessed are you if you hunger and thirst against right, you know, for, for righteousness. But when I really looked at Matthew 5 and started thinking, how does this apply to my life now? I found that the poor in spirit there is just that you've been in pain for so long that you are utterly exhausted, either emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, relationally, or it could be all at the same time. And because we find all of us find ourselves in that, if you take a look at the Beatitudes and look, they're actually, I think what Jesus is actually unpacking are the stages you go through when you're very broken. So it's like, blessed are you when you are brokenhearted, poor in spirit, and you will mourn, right? And then you will be made more meek, more gentle, more humble. Meekness is not weakness. It's actually a position of great strength. And then you'll, and you like keep looking, you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then you will become more merciful and compassionate towards other people. And so I think one of the most comforting things for those of us who are going through brokenness, or like you said, 15 years ago when you were making this public announcement, so devastating, I think you probably sensed a gentleness in, in the women who have walked through their own brokenness and come out and decided that their brokenness is going to make them better rather than bitter. And, and, and when you're with someone like that, they bring a different kind of peace And isn't it interesting as you keep going down the Beatitudes, it says then blessed are the peacemakers. And then right after that, it says, and blessed are you when you're persecuted, insulted, falsely accused, because your light will be offensive to other people's darkness. Your healing will be offensive to other people's healing, you know, unhealing. And so then you're right back up in the the beginning. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, you know, but now you're going to go through these stages that is so it's such a beautiful gift from Jesus so we don't get lost in the process because mm-hmm. life never ties up in a neat nice bow no it's like no <laughs> we may go through all these stages and we may become better and then something else is going to hurt us but now instead of getting frustrated like why do all the hard things bad things awful things happen to me you're just like nope i know where we're headed i may be poor in spirit and i may mourn but i'm going to be more made more humble I'm going to be made more pure in heart. It's going to cause me to hunger and thirst for righteousness even more. It's going to make me more compassionate. And so that way we can see that the pain is not pointless. There's a purpose and that nothing can touch us that doesn't first pass through God's hands. I was just with Jennifer Rothschild a few weeks ago and she said that. And I was like, wait, I got to sit with that. And then it occurred to me, 
She's right. Nothing is going to touch me that doesn't first pass through God's hands. And whatever God's hands touch, eventual good is in the works. I have learned not to let other people's opinions dictate or even determine who I am and how I see myself. And, you know, that's a hard thing for... Um, I was, I, I'm working on a new book and, um, I was writing about how this distinct memory when I was in elementary school of the chalkboard and the bulletin board beside the chalkboard where all of the kids in the class, their names were listed and everybody had three cards hooked below their name. They had a red card, a yellow card and a green card. And the goal was to stay on the green card. And it was publicly displayed. So if you were good that day, then you could look at your name and see a green card. And if you'd had some issues, you had a yellow card. And if you had to go talk to the principal, you had a red card, right? Mm -hmm. And I became so fixated as a very young child. I think I might have been in first or second grade that I was so desperate to be known as good that I literally tried to please everybody in the classroom, tried to go overboard just being, demonstrating and proving to other people, kind of striving so that I could always have my green card front and center. Mm. And what I realized it's because I never, and obviously when I'm first and second grade, you're not going to do this. But as the Lord is my witness, sometimes I'm still that little girl with desperate to have the green card by my name, you know, and I think what I am learning and I have learned through this past year is I, I, who I am is determined by Christ. I am a holy and dearly loved child of the almighty God. And what kind of person I'm known as needs to be established by me, not the opinions of other people. Yeah. And otherwise, the opinions of other people are always going to fluctuate. They're going to be for you and against you. They're going to be up and they're going to be down. And especially in this culture that we live in, I mean, my goodness, it's a scary time to be a communicator. You say one wrong thing or you say something and someone takes it out of context and then cancel culture just is real. So there's never been a more important time for us to realize who we are is not determined by the opinions of other people. We need to be confident and maybe sometimes it's both. And so I think I'm just learning to have a little more patience with myself that I'm still a good person. Even when I make mistakes, I'm still a good person. Even when other people's opinions of me fluctuate, I'm still a good person. Even when hard stuff happens in life, that I didn't want and I didn't see coming. Um, And at the end of the day, I am the Imago Dei. I am a reflection and image bearer of God. And that's who I am. So good, Lisa. That is so good. I remember one of the things that I was challenged by, by a great therapist who was good and honest with me, was that I lived in the opinions of others. So I was a chameleon. I could become whoever people wanted me to be so that the deep part of the people pleasing and wanting to be accepted came into this multiple hats, chameleon 
and, and trying to be loved by everybody and trying to be the person that people wanted me to be. Well, A, that's exhausting. B, I failed. C, at one point, I didn't even know who I was. And it was the long journey of understanding kind of back to Melinda, created by God, beloved by God as me, and not having to chase after multiple uh, you know, different groups of people who wanted me to be something else. And that's even within a Christian context too. I mean, this is, you know, the, from family to colleagues, to ministry people, to all of the groups. So that's, that's, that's great. That's a great learning. That's something I think all of us need to kind of take a moment and go, you know, what's motivating me and, and how do I see myself? I'm being at peace with that. I like that word peace. To stop being attached to outcomes of my own making Hmm. to the degree that I stop thinking that my way surely is God's way and then trying to hold God accountable to an outcome that I think needs to happen and that I think is best when in reality we serve a really big God who knows every bit of what's happening. You know, we only typically see what's happening right in front of us, but simultaneously we know because Ephesians six tells us for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the Mm -hmm. evil forces that hover in the heavenly realms. And so there's the physical reality that's happening. And then there's a spiritual reality happening simultaneously. And sometimes I think I forget that God's version of what is best may have a lot more to do with things happening in the spiritual realm that he has to arrange in the physical realm that may not look good, seem good, feel good to me right now. Mm -hmm. But that's why we call walking with God faith. Yeah, That's why it, it really does require that we trust God. And so... I think I will suffer a lot less in 2022 if I stop being so resistant to what is happening to me and stop trying to fix it or control it or minimize it or, or, you know, I think, I think I will be at more peace if I just choose to accept reality, admit Mm -hmm. what I can and cannot do and trust that God is going to be enough for me today and he'll be enough for me tomorrow. And beyond that, I just have to get into God's word and let his word get into me so that I can be strong enough just to face this day. And also I've got to challenge my brain to stop running into the future (laughs) and trying to figure everything out and, um, and, you know, and stop trying to prevent things from happening. Um, I'm just, I've got to just focus. Like my job is to be obedient to God today. God's job is everything else. So good. That's perfect for the new year. You know, and I think that that sense, I think even for me, Lisa, being present in my day, right? Taking the whole day in and then doing it the next day because I'm a run ahead, think like a million things ahead of myself and the day and so and miss a lot of what's happening around me in the present you know last year was a big about being present you know and 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 being grateful and taking it all in in the day so that's yeah because really, if we really run good. into the future <laughs> we're going to pick up burdens that we were never meant to carry today god's given us grace for today 
He's given us strength for today. So we do not need to run into the future and grab the burdens that may or may not exist in the future and try to bring them into today because God hasn't given us grace or strength to face what's going to be there tomorrow. He'll give us that tomorrow. And so he has given us exactly what we need for today. And that's what I'm really trying to stay focused on. And it's not that we don't strategize or it's not that we're, you know, like there are safety measures we put in place today so that we can be healthy and sustainable for tomorrow, but we don't need to carry the burdens of tomorrow. We need to be wise and just carry the burdens of today and trust that God has given us grace for today, strength for today, and he'll be with us right now today. Season 8 is all about getting to know you, the See Her Love community. Here are four ways to connect. Number one, watch See Her Love anytime and anywhere on YouTube and Castle Media. Number two, listen to the See Her Love podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Number three, engage by visiting seeherlove.com or my personal favorite, follow at seeherlove on Instagram. Finally, number four, give to See Her Love in Crossroads by visiting seeherlove.com slash give. When we talk about our desires or our cravings, there's a certain intensity built into it. Mm -hmm. It's no longer just that I want something. We start saying, I need something um, or I must have something. So you can see the intensity. It's like, I, I, you know, I like something to, I need something to, I must have something. And I think that we have to pay attention to the way we're verbalizing Um, our desires and our longings and our cravings. Mm -hmm. And I think that'll give us a real indication if we are looking to food to satisfy something that food was never meant to satisfy. So food can satisfy our stomach, but food can never get down into our soul and satisfy us there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I, I, I take a lot of, a lot of whatever I'm studying back to Genesis, especially Genesis chapters one, two, and three. And when I looked at what happened with Eve, I I became absolutely fascinated that the scripture tells us in Genesis chapter two, that God placed Adam and, and then eventually created Eve and placed her in this garden full of trees And all of the trees in the garden had fruit on it that was good for food and pleasing to the eye. And and God spoke to them in freedom. Like God said to Adam, in freedom, in a language of freedom, he said, you are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden. Just not this one tree in the center of the garden. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so it became fascinating to me that when Eve was looking at this tree, oftentimes we steer where we stare. Hmm. And so she was staring at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the fruit that was on this tree. And she's rationalizing it, of course, with the help of the serpent. Oh, you will not die. Like, and kind of giving this impression that God's holding out on you. Like, you're not going to die. You're going to become more like God, and that's good, right? And so she steers where she stares, right, to the very thing that God said, you're free to do all of this, just not this, right? Mm 
And she looks at that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she says that it was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for food and also desirable for giving her wisdom. Mm -hmm. Now, that tree was never supposed to give Eve wisdom. God said, don't partake of this tree. And so she was looking at a tree to provide her something that God had already given her in absolute appropriate measures. God had already given Adam and Eve all the wisdom that they ever needed to handle the life that he had entrusted to them. But Eve wanted more. She wanted the knowledge of good and evil. And though she was surrounded by fruit that was pleasing to the eye and good for food, she looked at the one fruit she wasn't had, and she said, this fruit is, this is amazing. It is so pleasing to the eye, and it is so good for food. And it will give me something beyond what God has already given me. And she took some, and she ate it, and she gave some to her husband, who was right there with her. Mm-hmm. And he ate it. And then when he ate it, the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And that's when they started covering, shaming, blaming, hiding from God and all of that. And so as I studied that, this picture, I found a couple of things fascinating. I found it absolutely fascinating that of all the things the enemy could have used to tempt Eve, He used food and he set up a scenario that this object that could satisfy her could also give her something God was withholding from her. Now that translates way beyond food, you know, it It translates into any desire that we have that either we have taken and misused or taken and abused, mm-hmm. or taken and expected it to give us something that that object or that person or that circumstance or that success was never intended to give us. You see, God did make us to crave so that we would always desire more of him. Mm. So God made us as creatures that would desire and have longing. So that we would always turn that longing toward him so that he could appropriately satisfy us. But when sin entered into the world and we no longer lived in perfection, you know, Adam and Eve were in the perfection of the Garden of Eden. So their their one longing was supposed to just be for God himself. But now we live in an imperfect world. So we have so many longings, so many desires, so many places where the imperfections of this world nag at us and and distract us and make us feel so very unsatisfied. And so there are so many ways that this world tries to lure us to crave satisfaction from things that were never meant to satisfy our soul. And so God made us to crave, but we must remember only he can satisfy the deep longings of our soul. And if our soul gets dehydrated and our soul gets starved, then it, it is very, very possible and likely mm-hmm. that we will look for temporary satisfaction 
and we will overuse or abuse or misuse things of this world to try to numb a dissatisfaction that God says he is able today to get in and nourish our souls. We can look at Jeremiah chapter 2 and it says that, you know, we we look at, at, at like, God is the source of living water for us. But we try to get water from broken cisterns that will never satisfy. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of this journey to me isn't about a diet and how much I weigh and even so much about my food choices as it is being honest with the with the desires of my soul and and knowing that I've got to give those to the Lord and let the Lord direct those in healthy ways but it applies to so much more than just food we are empowered by Christ and the Holy Spirit in us, right? And so we need to live empowered lives. We don't need to live defeated lives. Right. And I have felt defeated so many days because of my food choices. And I just think, no, like, again, I am designed to consume food, but food is not supposed to consume me. And so I don't need to live in this defeated mindset because what starts just with like, oh, I feel so defeated, you know, look how much I ate or look what I ate or I feel so blah, you know, we're not supposed to feel defeated because if we feel defeated, we'll start to live defeated and it leaks Mm -hmm. into the thoughts about other aspects of our lives. But if I feel empowered then I'm going to live empowered and I'm going to approach everything else with a a different kind of godly confidence and a different kind of godly assurance. And also think about our mood, you know, food directly affects our mood and, um, and whether or not we drink water directly affects us too. Mm -hmm. I, um, I've done some research and research shows that if we feel anxious, if we will just drink four ounces of water, Four ounces of water will help calm down our anxiety. So drink four ounces of water. Give yourself 20 minutes because when you're triggered in the part of your brain, the amygdala that stores our our trauma and, and those really strong feelings of fight, flight, freeze, you know, if you, if you get triggered in that and you feel super anxious, give yourself 20 minutes for that prefrontal cortex to kick back on the the logical part of your brain to kick back on drink the four ounces of water so you can bring some of that anxiety down and go outside and just remind yourself like the sky is not falling Mm -hmm. but if instead of that like if we're reaching for four ounces of coke you know coca-cola or pepsi or soda Every time we feel anxious, well, that caffeine is just going to make us feel more anxious, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, that choice, it has a whole lot less to do about our diet and a whole lot more to do making healthy choices that keep us empowered, walking in victory rather than defeated and full of anxiety all the time. Wow. What an incredible conversation that one set us up for a new year or really every day to live a flourishing life. Two, encouraged us to make healthy choices, which includes our food cravings. Three, finding our beautiful, our value in God through the process. You know, I learned a lot through this conversation. 
and you can listen to the entire interview with me and Lisa on our YouTube channel. Now, these were your thoughts about our podcast interview. Carolyn says, listening to this again, and God's breaking my heart. Others' opinions do not determine my worth. God does. Amago Day. And from BJT, she says, when Lisa talked about always wanting her green card on the board, I could totally relate. I was that little girl and still find myself trying to be that little girl that pleases everyone. Thank you for sharing that. From Mind, Body, and Goals, it's amazing to hear Matthew 5 spoken as a circular process and that each time we go through it, we are stronger and better equipped than the time before. And then finally, from the Holy Riot, so amazing. The want aspect of this just blew my mind. I'm a longtime reader of Lisa, and I'm so grateful for this convo. Thank you. And we love hearing comments from our viewers and listeners, so thank you so much. And if you're struggling with people-pleasing, or you have a challenging relationship with food, or you're making unhealthy choices, we have friends that will pray with you. They will listen and share helpful resources that can really help you. All you have to do is call this number, 1-866-273-4444, and there will be someone there for you 24-7. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for our number two podcast interview of all time. You won't want to miss my conversation with Benedictine nun Joan Chittister, and remember that God really sees you he hears you, he loves you, and he is for you every single time. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.